Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Girly Homesteader podcast. Today's episode is all about chickens. So if you listened to last week's episode, I talked about the fact that March was a rough month for us in the world of chickens. So today I'm going to be sharing my experience with the first time that we had a chicken who was actually sick, not just like an injury, but actually sick to the point where we had to medicate her. So stay tuned for all of my (laughs) humbling experience with this whole ordeal. Hello and welcome to the Girly Homesteader podcast. I'm your host, Laura, a part-time homesteader with a full-time love for makeup. This podcast focuses on traditional homesteading topics like gardening, chickens, beekeeping, hunting, fishing, being in harmony with nature, food preservation, cooking, etc. But it also touches on the girly side of things like non-toxic skincare, makeup, and homekeeping. So if you're ready to learn more about homesteading and keep your girly side along the way, let's get started. Okay, before we get started though, I do want to make an announcement that is specific to the month of April. Right now, we are about halfway through April, but I do want to say, if you've been listening to this podcast, you hear my ads for Beauty Counter. They're the skincare brand that I have been using forever and ever now, like about three years. I am a consultant for them, but their skincare has absolutely changed my skin. Now, What I want to say, though, is that during the month of April, new customers get 30% off rather than just the typical 20% off. So it is halfway through the month. If you are interested in trying anything, I can definitely get you some samples out as soon as I can. Um, But what I do want to say, too, is that with Beauty Counter, you get a 60-day return policy, so that is plenty of time to try things out if you are interested. So again, link will be in the show notes to request samples for Beauty Counter, or you can just shop directly um, in the link in the show notes too. Some of my favorite things from Beauty Counter are the Adaptive Moisture Lotion, which is just a great all-around moisturizer, the Mascara, I talk about the mascara on the Instagram quite a bit, but I absolutely love it. It's the first mascara, the first non-toxic one, I should say, that actually gives me length, separation, and volume on my lashes. And actually, it does help to make your lashes grow, too, so that's another favorite. I also love um, the Counter Time Serum. This is a great serum. It's very moisturizing. It makes your skin just feel super smooth. It helps with cell turnover, and also it helps to improve your moisture barrier of your skin. So those are just three of my favorite things. So if you'd like to to try them, let me know, because again, during the month of April, you can get 30% off. So, okay, now that I got that out of the way, (sighs) chickens. So we have been very fortunate chicken keepers, and I like to think that we are pretty good chicken keepers. But as with any animal, keeping any animal, doing any project really, just being an adult, things happen. (laughs) So in the month of March, we had three different chickens that had to be put in chicken jail or chicken quarantine. So first thing that I need to say here is that if you have chickens and you do not have the ability or some sort of like spot 
to keep a chicken secluded, you need to get on that yesterday because you never know when something is going to happen, okay? Um, I wasn't expecting for the month of March for me to have three different needs for the dog crate that we use to keep our chickens separated. So I wish that I would have known this piece of advice um, back when we did get chickens. The reason we got this dog crate is because a couple years ago, um, one of our chickens got attacked by our neighbor's dog. And so at that time, we were completely unprepared for anything bad happening to the chickens, which was stupid. But we were just in, you know, I guess the honeymoon period of keeping chickens. And so we weren't expecting anything bad to happen. And so once that dog attacked, we did not have anywhere to keep our chicken. So the first thing I had to do was go and get a dog crate. I got the largest dog crate that I could from Rural King. And I will say that this dog crate is great. Um, any dog crate will do, but what's nice about having a crate is that you can relatively easy carry the animal wherever you need to put it. So for us, with our most recent experience with sickness, um, we had Dolores, our white leghorn, living in our basement for quite a while. This dog crate, it folds up, it's easy to use, but also the fact that it has a roof on it, we can hang um, water, we can hang food without, you know, your chickens making a mess of the bedding that is in there. So if you do not have a dog crate or some way to contain your chickens, you need to get on that now. So now that that's out of the way, the other piece of advice that I have for you in terms of chickens is to be observant of your chickens. Now, obviously, this will be harder if you have a really big flock because, um, I mean, right now we just have 10 chickens. So everybody has a name. I know all of their characteristics. I know all of their voices. You know, you know how they act. So if you have lots and lots of birds, it will be harder to know every single person's individual, you know, personality. But being observant and actually interacting with your chickens is a huge part of keeping them healthy because if you don't actually interact with them if you don't really talk to them if you don't really you know hang out with them and you're really just relying on them for eggs you're not gonna know when something is wrong because one of our chickens um her name is betty she is a homebody <laughs> she just likes hanging out by the coop. That's just what she's always done. And that's how she is. So when she acts like that, it's nothing to be alarmed about. But Dolores, on the other hand, our white leghorn, she's crazy. And she is very, um, very energetic normally. She runs around, she gets on top of anything. Um, she's the exact opposite of Betty, I guess you could say in terms of personality. So when all this happened, it was a Wednesday. I went out in the morning to give them some food or something. I don't know. I counted nine and the weather wasn't bad. And so at first I was a little worried that something happened overnight. Maybe she didn't actually get in and we didn't realize it. But then what I found was that Miss Dolores was in the coop all by herself up on a roost. And that is not normal for her. So if I you know, wasn't observant, if I didn't know her personality, if I wouldn't have gone out that morning, I wouldn't have known that she wasn't feeling well. So immediately I open up the coop, I grab her and I put her in the crate 
Now, we did already have the crate actually set up from the previous two girls that we had to put in there, but if that wouldn't have happened, you know, I just would have set up the crate, put the, put the pine shavings in there, which is what we use in our coop, give her food and water, etc. So, at this point, she was acting very lethargic, her comb was kind of purplish, and she wasn't wanting to eat. And so, Google, <laughs> as you know, if you get on Google and you Google anything that could be wrong about yourself, it says that you're going to die. And same thing happens when you Google things that can be wrong with chickens. So my first instinct when I noticed that there was something wrong with her was actually that she was egg bound. Now, this is because um, she hadn't been laying eggs for a while and she had been having trouble laying eggs. Now, white leghorns are known to lay lots and lots of eggs, but she had been laying some really soft-shelled eggs recently and things just weren't going right. So that's why I jumped to the, to the conclusion of her being egg-bound. Now, she never did show the telltale sign, though, of kind of walking like a penguin where she kind of tucks her butt underneath her. But still, I wanted to rule it out. So, <laughs> oh, poor Dolores. Um, if you look online, you can learn a lot of things about how to treat chickens. Um, it's how we learn how to treat sauerkraut. Um, it's how I learned about prolapsed vent, which happened with one of our previous chickens who we did have to put down, unfortunately. And it's how I learned how to check and see if a chicken has, um, an egg that is stuck. So, I'm not saying that you need to jump to the conclusion of this, but I did just because it was something that I could easily rule out and she hadn't been laying eggs. So what I did is I put gloves on, I got some coconut oil, I lubed up, lubed up my fingers and I stuck my finger up her vent. Yes, that is what I did. Uh, Dolores was not happy about it, definitely. Um, but what happened as I did this, now I should also say, whenever you are treating your chicken, whether you are bringing them inside to give them a bath, whether you are checking for, you know, a stuck egg, whether you are giving them medicine, something like that, it is always very, very helpful to wrap them up in a blanket or a towel. So during this entire time that Dolores was in the dog crate, we did have a towel on hand at all times. And so what I would do is I would just roll her up in the towel. That helps to keep their wings secure and help to make them feel cozy. And it also just makes it much, much easier to handle them. So I was by myself at this time. My husband was at work. And so I just laid her on her side, wrapped her up in the towel. I did put the towel over her eyes just to help keep her calm. And then I checked and I didn't feel anything, thankfully. So the good news is that I knew she didn't have an egg stuck. So that ruled out one of the potential things that could have been wrong with her. Now, what that did though, is it made her uncomfortable. And so it looked like she had to puke. So we are not experts by any means with sauerkraut, but we, <laughs> one of our chickens, my, my husband's favorite chicken actually, her name is Aggie, she has the bad habit of drinking water out of a stump that we have on our property and it has given her sauerkraut two times. And so the simple fix there is you just give the, the chicken some apple cider vinegar and water and that helps, you know, make everything in their crop 
sort itself out, essentially. So you can tell when a chicken has sour crop because their crop just kind of feels like a water balloon. And if you touch it, it just, it feels, well, it feels like a water balloon. And also their breath will kind of smell sour. And so at first here, Dolores was showing signs of sour crop, you know, right after I stuck my finger up her vent. <laughs> um, and so she puked. Now, one thing to note, chickens do not actually puke on their own. You can tell though, if food is not really going down correctly. And so what I did, I still had her wrapped up in the towel. I just held her kind of over a little bit, not completely upside down, but maybe like, I don't know, a little bit lower than horizontal. And you just kind of massage their crop and you can help them puke. And so once her crop was empty, I thought, okay, maybe we're just dealing with a case of sour crop. Good. This will be easy. We can fix it. So I gave her the apple cider vinegar and water. I gave her, you know, really just that because if a dog, if a, a dog, <laughs> if a chicken has sour crop, you really want to eliminate the food for a little while. You just want to make sure that they get um, that apple cider vinegar and water and electrolytes too. So we kept her in our shed at this point. We kept it dark. We kept it quiet, you know, as quiet as we could. And we just kept her secluded. So that was on a Wednesday. And by the end of the day, when I got home from work, I was expecting her to be a lot better. But unfortunately, she wasn't. And so we were getting a little bit nervous. And at this time, the weather was kind of, it wasn't ideal. I mean, it was maybe in the 50s or so. And we did put a heat lamp on her um, while she was in our shed. And we kept her secluded. But again, she wasn't feeling better. And with our chickens who have gotten sour crop before, it generally would go away, you know, within a few hours or so. It really wasn't a big deal. So when she wasn't feeling better, um, we started to get a little bit nervous. And so Thursday morning, um, one of my clients, I'm a, I'm a personal trainer, in case you didn't know that, one of my clients, she is a vet. And so she has answered many questions for me about my chickens, even though she doesn't treat chickens. Um, but I talked to her in the morning when I saw her about her chicken, and she encouraged me to go see a vet if I needed to. Um, also at this point, I had kept Googling and Googling and thinking through the things that she could potentially have. So essentially I was just looking up the symptoms that she was presenting. So again, she had a purple comb. She was very just low energy. She didn't want to eat. She wasn't necessarily standing funny, but she was kind of puffing her feathers up. So when I looked up all of those symptoms, um, it came down to one of two things. She either had coccidiosis or she had worms. And so I mentioned this in last week's podcast, but we had tried a different way of dealing with um, the bedding that was, you know, that would be from their coop when we cleaned the coop out. And so she could have easily gotten coccidiosis from that or she could have gotten worms because the night before so that Tuesday night it was very rainy and we had let all of the chickens out and they were going to town <laughs> on worms and so like earthworms um so when I told all of this to my client that's a vet she told me well it definitely could be both of those things she just kind of you know <laughs> reiterated what I had been finding so she stressed to me 
um, the concept of dosing correctly for a chicken because obviously chickens are tiny compared to other livestock. And she just encouraged me to potentially go see a vet if we wanted to because they would help us get the dosage correct. So taking a chicken to the vet. This is a topic that is hard to talk about because a chicken, I hate to say this, but a chicken is a little bit different than a dog or a cat or some kind of pet. Now, it can be different. Um, we have taken a chicken to the vet before. Um, the chicken that I mentioned that we had to put her down, um, that was Gladys. She was also attacked by the neighbor's dog too. And right after that attack, she seemed to be doing okay, but we did take her to the vet anyways, just to get her cleaned up. They took x-rays and they looked for um, a stuck egg. Luckily she checked out fine, but things did progress after she left the vet. And so we did have to put her down. So I know <laughs> how expensive it is to take an animal, especially a chicken to the vet. I'm not kidding. We left the vet probably paying about $500. <laughs> I am not kidding you about $500 with the x-rays, with the medications, with the cleanup, with all of that. And so that was our first time taking a chicken to the vet. And so I learned quite a bit from that experience, not in terms of like what you do for a chicken, but it really helped me just kind of come to terms with the amount of care that you want to put in to a chicken. And I know it sounds terrible to say that because I know that some people, you know, maybe if you have a flock of 300 chickens or something, you know, you can easily say it's just a chicken. But some people like me, you know, I have a flock of 10 chickens and they aren't just chickens. They are pets, but at some point you do have to weigh out what you are willing to do. So that is the decision that is completely up to every single person, every single family, and you have to make the decision that is right for you. Because yes, like with our chicken that I mentioned before that we had to put down, yeah, sure, I probably could have paid even more money and more money and had her, you know, fixed, had that prolap the prolapsed vent fixed, but that could have led to further complications down the road. It would have been very expensive and I don't know if her quality of life would have been good. So we had to make the decision and it's a hard decision for anyone, whether it is just quote unquote a chicken or it's your dog or cat, but we did have to make the decision to put her down. So again, we were faced with these decisions with Dolores. Now, this was still very early in the process. Um, you know, we hadn't tried any medications or anything on our own, but I did decide to call around and see if I could get her into a vet. Now, uh, my client that's a vet, she tells me that she is extremely booked up. And man, that sure was the case when I called the two vets around us that do see chickens. They were booked out for like three weeks. And so obviously that was not going to work for us. Um, so at that point, you know, I just knew, well, we're doing this ourselves. And whatever happens, happens. We're going to try our best. And we'll just see. We'll just see. So after the break... We will get on to how we started to treat her and how miraculously she is just fine. All right, so as I said before the break, 
after my Googling and after talking to my vet client, um, based off of her symptoms, we thought that she might either have worms or coccidiosis. And so after Googling and Googling, I found the two medications that I wanted to find at our feed store. We live close to a rural king, and so that is where I went first. And so luckily at Rural King, I was able to find the two medications that I was looking for. I was able to find Corid, which is specifically for coccidiosis. And then I was able to find a dewormer that is specifically, well, <laughs> specifically for goats. That's all I could find. But according to my Google searches, that is what most chicken keepers would use for deworming. So I looked it up too on Google to see if I could give her both medications at the same time. There were no contraindications, so I decided, you know what, I'm just going to do it. So this was a Thursday. We still had her in our shed. The temperatures outside were about 50s or so. We did have a heat lamp on her, and so I started to give her the medications. Now, as I said, dosing with chickens is very, very hard. Um, luckily, the Corid for coccidiosis, um, it was much easier to dose because it was a little bit more, um, like the instructions were a little bit more specific to chickens, but really not completely. It at least showed you how much um, to put in per, you know, a certain amount of water. So I did what I could in terms of that, and I gave her the medicine. Now, what's crazy, though, is that the other one for worms... The instructions on the back, it was really just based off of goat sizes. And so I did the math and I figured out that with the wormer, it was like 0.2 of a milliliter. That's all the amount that I would have to give her. And so I didn't have anything um, that would measure out that much. Actually, I don't even know if it was 0.2. It was probably even less than that. But anyways... All I could do was just try my best. And so what I did was I literally tapped my finger into the medication and then I opened up her mouth and I stuck my finger in her mouth and then gave, him some, gave her some water after. I literally had to force feed her this medication, just a tiny drop at a time, not even a drop. So with dosing, I just ask you to please, please be careful whenever you are giving a chicken medication because too much can be very bad. Too little though you know, it won't do the right thing. So after telling all of my clients about this story, um, one of them, she actually gave me a really great piece of advice and this is super smart. So she told me to look up baby syringes because baby syringes are gonna have much smaller increments of size than what I was using. So one of the medications, again, I was putting it on my finger and then I was opening up her mouth and then tapping my finger on her tongue and then giving her some water. But the other one, I was able to dose it into water. And so what I used, <laughs> um, because again, we were unprepared for this. I wish that we would have had our chicken first aid kit ready to go, which I do now, let me tell you. Um, but what I found in our kitchen was one of those meat injector things. So we have two, we have one that was nice and then we had one that was just plastic. And so I simply unscrewed the metal syringe end of it and I would use that to force feed her water and also that Corid medication. So force feeding, that brings up another topic here. Dolores didn't wanna eat. She didn't wanna drink water. Even if I would put the food directly in front of her mouth, she wasn't doing it. But of course, as you know, if she's not eating, if she's not drinking water, she's not gonna get better. 
So I did have to force feed her for a few days every couple hours or so. Um, so I would just fill up this syringe with water. I would wrap her up in the blanket that I mentioned before. Um, that way really just her head was poking out. So I held her, you know, kind of just like a baby. And then with one hand, like the same hand that was holding her against me, I would try to kind of fit my index finger in her mouth and spread open her beak. And then once I had it open, I would just shoot some water down her throat, wait for her to swallow. And then I would just go and continue until she was just not having it. And then same thing I'd have to do with force feeding her too. Um, when a chicken is sick, generally the kind of food that you want to feed them are things that are not dry. Um, so like if you take their regular food and you mix it with some water and create a mash, that is great to give to chickens when they are sick. But what's even better is to feed them scrambled eggs. And so the scrambled egg I definitely had better success with. So what I would do is I would just scramble up a little egg and I would again hold her in my arm, wrapped up in a blanket, open up her beak, and then shove some egg down her throat a little bit, wait for her to swallow it, maybe give her some water, and then continue until she was just not having it. So taking care of her, it was pretty intense there for a few days. So we did that with a medication um, Thursday and Friday. And on Friday, by Friday evening, she was actually super perky and she was doing a lot better. And so we were able to go into our weekend feeling a lot better about things. But then what happened is the weather turned and it got very cold. And so we still had her in the shed at this point. And so I will be honest, by Saturday midday, I thought that we were going to lose Dolores because she had made a turn for the worse again and she was back to feeling lethargic. Um, she wasn't wanting to eat. She wasn't acting like herself and her comb started to turn purple again. And so thankfully my parents were with us that weekend. And so my mom, she went on, she went with me to go check on her and she thought, well, what if she's cold? And so we moved the heat lamp a little bit closer to her. And then next thing you know, she started feeling better. So I really had no idea that the heat would make such a big deal, such a big difference when a chicken is healing. I really thought that the heat was just important for little babies, little chicks. But it does make sense though in hindsight because if she's having to work to warm up her body, she can't use that energy to heal herself. So at that point, that's when we moved her into the basement and she became a house chicken. <laughs> Um, which is good and bad because it's good because she was closer to us. It was a lot easier to give her food and water. It was a lot easier to check on her and, um, she was warmer too. So she did get a lot better. So Dolores ended up being in our house probably from Saturday to the following Wednesday. So she was sick for about a week. Um, and as she was in the basement, you know, we just kept feeding her and feeding her, making sure that she was strong. Now, the thing that happened, though, that we were not expecting is that even though she was feeling better and she seemed peppy, she lasted that way for only about a day. And then honestly, I think she got depressed. And this is real. Like, this is totally real. I think she was depressed because she was in the basement. She wasn't interacting with anybody um, there was nothing going on in the basement. It was boring. And I think she got depressed. And so again, she stopped wanting to eat food and drink water. 
So at that point, because I knew that she was like sprightly <laughs> enough um, to go outside for a little bit, we took her outside. And luckily at this point, the weather had warmed up a little bit. So when we tried to reintroduce her, holy crap, we are still kind of dealing with it right now as I'm recording. Um, what we did was we took her outside, carried her outside, sat her on the ground, and I knew it was a good idea immediately because as soon as I sat her down, her tail perked back up and she started eating grass. So that was good. She does have an appetite. That's what I was able to confirm. But once everybody else in the flock came back over to her, they like attacked her. So reintroducing chickens is no joke. <laughs> Just like chicken depression, apparently. Um, so reintroducing... This is something that we are still trying to work on, but what I can tell you so far is that when you are reintroducing a chicken to the rest of the flock, you want to monitor them. You want to do it for probably also short periods of time. So on these first little excursions, um, we would take her outside, we would put her in their enclosure, and we would just monitor to see how people were reacting to her. Now, an unfortunate thing that you just need to accept, which is hard for me to accept too, though, is that chickens just are going to be mean. <laughs> they just are going to peck on each other. Um, the pecking order is a real thing. The pecking order has changed since we kept Dolores away from everybody else for a week. Because at one point, I really do think Dolores was our head hen, but now she is definitely down at the bottom. And so all of that... Um, all of the reordering of the pecking order, that's very stressful on the chickens. It's not just stressful on Dolores, it's stressful on everybody else. Actually, one of our chickens, who was being the most aggressive towards her because she is our most jealous chicken, she stopped laying eggs for a while because of the stress. So just know going into it that it's going to be stressful, that they're going to pick on each other, that that's just how it's going to be and how, unfortunately, it just has to happen. They have to get it out of their systems. They have to reestablish that order. And then finally, once that happens, things should kind of reach an equilibrium. Of course, it's very hard to watch, very hard to watch. And you do want to kind of go about it so that your chicken doesn't get injured. Um, so during these times when we were doing just like this pre-introduction, um, everybody would gang up on Dolores and they were pinning her to the ground and pecking at her. So of course we grabbed her. We knew that she wasn't strong enough yet because she didn't have the energy to fight back. And so we would bring her inside again for a little bit. Now, we did this for a few days and um, it wasn't really working. As I said, we are not pros at this yet, okay? I'm just telling you my experiences. So what we did do one night is it was a night that it was going to be warm enough and we reintroduced her at night. So we let everybody else, all the other nine, go to bed normally. We had Dolores down in our basement and then once it was dark, we put her back in the coop. We shoved her in through a nest box. And so that night, I'm pretty darn sure she slept in the nest box because, of course, she couldn't see at that point. And then in the morning, though, luckily, nobody really bothered her. They just wanted to get out, do their own thing. Now, the issue, though, is that whenever Dolores would try and go out, people would try to attack her and then she would get scared. So, again, it is just something that you have to... 
deal with. You want to monitor it and make sure that they're not picking on her too much. But one thing that can very, very much help is to have multiple food sources, okay? So by having multiple food sources, you allow that quarantined chicken to still be able to eat while everybody else can be at a different feeder. This is something that you do when you reintroduce or when you introduce chicks into a new flock for the first time too, or into an existing flock for the first time. You wanna have multiple water sources and multiple food sources. And that is because if the mean chickens are somewhere over here, then everybody else can be at the other feeder. And it's not just only one space where everybody has to be to be able to get food. Because again, Dolores is still healing. She was still healing at that point. So she needed to be able to eat. One thing we did try, which I don't know if it was a good idea in hindsight, um, was we let her outside, but not in the enclosure. Um, we did that so that she could get outside, be happy, not be depressed, but she could also eat without being picked on by everybody else. Now, in hindsight, I don't really know if this was a good idea. Yes, it did help her get stronger, but the other thing it did though is make all the other chickens mad because they saw that she was out and they were not. So, I don't know. Again, this is a lot of me rambling and just telling the story of Dolores getting sick. Again, I'm not an expert, but as of right now, she has been out of the house for probably a week and a half or so. And at this point, she, I think, is just scaring herself, honestly. I don't think everybody else really cares so much about her. I think she is just still scared um, because she is going up into the coop on her own at night. They're letting her up on the roost at night. She is actually sleeping where she's supposed to. She's not in a nest box. And that's okay, but I do think that she's just scaring herself because anytime that one of the other chickens get anywhere near her, she just kind of freaks out and runs away. So it's going to be a learning process or an adjustment process, I should say. Um, what we're doing right now is just continuing to make sure that there's multiple food sources and if we can, if there's a chance to grab her, we grab her, Dolores, I mean, and we put her out with everybody else and we make sure to stick her by a food source. And really, it seems to be going okay, but I guess I just want to stress here that the process of reintroducing a chicken is not easy. It's not easy for you. It's not easy for them. It is stressful. You need to go into it expecting that the chickens are going to be picking on each other, that there's probably going to be some blood um, that the pecking order is going to change, that some of the other chickens might get so stressed out that they stop laying eggs. Um, they will start back up again though. And that you need to have multiple food and multiple water sources to help the transition go better. So that's about it. <laughs> that was a lot. I know. Um, lots and lots today about chickens. I'm hoping, again, one of my goals for the month of April is to not have to deal with this anymore. And so far it's going well. We're about midway through April, so hopefully it stays that way. Um, but yeah, if you have any advice about keeping sick chickens and how to deal with it or how to reintroduce chickens to everybody else, let me know. Let me know on Instagram. I would love to hear. 
and definitely share this podcast if it has been helpful for you or if you think it'd be helpful for someone else. Again, I am still doing monthly giveaways for reviews for the podcast. So if you want to, you can go on to Apple or Spotify and leave me a review. And then just simply send me a screenshot of that review and then you will be entered to win a giveaway every single month. So you can win lots of cool things. I have lots of skincare items. I have essential oils. I have gardening stuff. I have my favorite sunscreen. I have lots of things to help you transition into springtime and just lots of lots of goodies. So if you can do that, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it because it's reviews like those that help podcasts like this grow. So thank you. And I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Girly Homesteader podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you want to share more in my journey, Follow me on Instagram at the girly homesteader.